Happy Sabbath, church. My name is uh, Pastor Buster Swoops Jr., Assistant Professor of Religion at Southwestern Adventist University. Before we begin, I just want to ask for a special favor for us to bow our heads and ask for the Holy Spirit to not just be with me, but to be with all of us as we think of what is it that drives us. Let's bow our heads. Our Lord and our God, we would be nothing without you. So right now in this moment, Lord, as I just requested, help the Holy Spirit to please come into our hearts, our minds, and our lives. And Lord, where my speech and my words fall short, I'm asking that, Lord, your spirit abound. And that, Lord, the goal of this all is to, Lord, drive us closer to you. And Lord, if someone here is already a deep and entrenched relationship with you, may it grow even deeper. And if, Lord, someone has never begun a relationship with you, may that begin here, right now, today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. So uh, as you can see, the, the engaged question today is, what is it that drives you? What motivates you? What drives you? Well, thinking about this question, uh, my wife and I uh, recently, well, I guess it was last summer, we decided that we we're going to read a book together. Uh, she was just about to begin uh, teaching once again. She was teaching uh, our homeschooling, our kids, for the last seven years. And starting last year, she started teaching at Burleson Adventist uh, uh, School. And as she's teaching there, she's teaching pre-K and K. Well, we decided to read this book together called Drive by Daniel Pink. And this book is all about moving away from being externally driven to being internally driven. And so we both thought about it and, and we came up with these ideas, these tactics of making sure that our classrooms could be internally driven. And let me tell you this, it worked wonderfully for my classes, right? Uh, recently we did this, uh, 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 I guess you could say assignment called Now What? where they looked at reasons why young people are leaving the church and reasons why they're staying, and they came up with some great intrinsic reasons for why we should stay in the church. Well, let me tell you this. Anyone here ever worked with pre-KK? Uh, have you ever had kids, have been around kids that are pre-KK? Well, intrinsic values don't necessarily work for them, and as she was trying to get them to be internally driven, uh, she realized this is not working, and she went very quickly back to the charts and the boards because those little kids are monsters. I just said it. I'm sorry. I apologize, but it's the truth, okay? And then I, I, we realized something, that with this external versus intrinsic battle, there comes this thing called maturity. That for us to be intrinsically driven, for us to do things because not what happens outside of us, but because of the decisions we make, it happens because we are called to be mature. Now, Daniel Pink, in his book, I'm going to come over here and read this, uh, he shares this. The problem with making extrinsic reward the only destination that matters is that some people will choose the quickest route there, even if it means taking the low road. And kids take the low road, am I right? <laughs> uh, she took this from me. Why does he have that? I don't have this. But, but look at this. Look at the intrinsic. Contrast that approach with behaviors uh, uh, sparked by intrinsic motivation, when the reward is the activity itself, deepening learning, delight, uh, delighting customers, doing one's best, there are no shortcuts. I, I, I'm asking you this because what are the shortcuts you're trying to take in your relationship with Jesus Christ? If you turn with me in your Bibles, you can look here up here on the screen, we're going to open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. 
Once again, that's Philippians chapter 3, recognizing that maturity is needed to be internally driven. We see someone here that was extremely internally driven, and that was the Apostle Paul. Uh, Now, we're starting here at verse 12, but before we get to verse 12, notice that it starts off here, not that I have already attained. Well, what is he attaining? Well, if you look up here at verses 7 and 8, it says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted for loss of Christ, and then you jump all the way down here to 11. If by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And he says it right there, verse 12. Look at here. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I do what? What does it say, church? I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. In other words, listen to this. The Apostle Paul is saying, I have a goal in mind, and that is to be resurrected with Jesus Christ. Someone should say amen to that. I have a goal in mind, and that is to deepen my relationship with Jesus Christ so much that I forever dwell with him. But listen here, he says, I haven't already obtained this, and I am not already perfected. You you see here, it's not about the end of the journey. It's about the progress. It's about the process. I wrote down here, I pursued the path and the process because the path and the process is worth it just as much as the end of the journey. I don't think you heard me on that. See, sometimes I I think we're saying, I can't wait to make it to heaven. But did you realize that we're supposed to be experiencing heaven here on earth as we are making it to heaven? Amen? That every week when we come to church, every week when we leave church, every day when we wake up and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is what's driving us because the relationship with Jesus Christ is worth the progress and the process. Now, he continues on. Listen to this, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are are ahead. Now, I I love this because one thing that I do is forget those things which are behind. Now, I, I was reading here recently that one of the things that kills Christianity, one of the things that destroys churches, Pastor Michael, is nostalgia, right? Going back and saying, oh man, I remember the days when you can name it Pastor Halverson was preaching up here and the church was boosting and booming. Oh, if we could all just get back there. Or you think about it in your lives, uh, I, I do it with my kids already. Uh, actually, is it, is it okay to say, listen here, I've already picked on pre-KK kids, right? I like babies, but I don't love them. I like it when I can start communicating. Anybody else, anybody else there? Everyone's like, nope, we love babies. Oh, listen here, I don't hate babies, all right? Don't walk in here and say, you know, Pastor Swoops hates babies. No, I love babies. The thing is, when they turn two or three or four, and you can, they can say, I'm hungry. I'm like, oh, finally, right? When a baby's crying, it's like, yeah, I'm like, what's wrong with this thing? And I hand it to my wife, and she's great. She can figure it out. I can't figure those things out, right? Uh, So I'm so glad when my kids uh, have grown up. But imagine if, if as your kids are growing up, you just wish that they were seven again, if they were just eight again, if they were just nine again, rather than enjoying where they are right here, right now. Now, notice the Apostle Paul is saying, I forget those things which are ahead, but I lay a, uh, uh, But he says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, right? So forgetting those things which are behind, but reaching forward to those things that are ahead. But he's not saying live in the past, but he's not saying live in the future either. 
He is saying that the future is what drives me, but I live in the here and the now. In a matter of fact, as I traverse on this path, I don't long for the past, but I long for the future while living in the present. You see, that's the problem with a lot of us. We're either living in the past or we're living in the future, not recognizing that the best times that we're looking for are right in front of our eyes. Enjoy the present. Be present with the church. Be present with your family. Be present in the moment because that is where God has you right now. And he's saying, I do not count myself to have apprehended. So I'm not done yet. So therefore, I will enjoy, once again, the progress in the process. Continue on to verse 14. Let's look at this. It says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I don't want you to recognize this. Notice that the prize is not heaven. I'm going to say that again. The prize is not heaven. I, I, I know that we, we encourage each other by saying, oh, one day Jesus is going to come back and we get to go to heaven. But notice here, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that he's saying that his prize is the call that God has placed upon his life? But not just that. This is the imagery of someone in Olympic games, if you will. And at the end of that race, that game, whatever it happens, right? Uh, it happened back then. It happens now that there's people that stand on a podium and they receive a prize, right? He is saying that when God calls him in Christ Jesus and he gets to stand there, it is the present call and the future call of saying, well done, my good and faithful servant in whom I'm well pleased, that he is saying, this is what I'm pressing forward. This is what drives me. This is what is internally calling me and compelling me. It's not just the, the weighty goal of heaven, but it's also the weighty goal of this relationship that I have with God in Christ Jesus. Man, I, as, I, as I, I was reading this, I was getting excited, excited because the prize is, not, is the call and it's not just heaven. And then it goes on to verse 15. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Now, notice here. Therefore, let us as many as are mature. You know, it's, it's very interesting this word for mature is the same word for perfected in verse 12. Now, verse 12, he says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but then he says here, therefore, let us as many of us that are mature. So he's saying my maturity is not complete, but I'm still growing in Jesus Christ. The, the act of sanctification is still happening in my life. And because it is happening, I am maturing, although I am not fully matured right? And, and, and so as, as he's going there, I, I, I wrote down here, mature is same in verse 12, except for it is not complete, but it's further in the process. Now, think about this. How many people do you know that are spiritually mature? Are you spiritually mature? And by the way, this is not uh, defined by age. Somebody can say, I've been in the church for 95 years. Well, I should go higher so that someone doesn't think I'm picking on them because someone might be here for 95 years in the Lord, right? Uh, for 180 years I've been with the Lord, and you can find that they're still quite immature in Jesus Christ. 
And then you can find a seven-year-old that has a relationship with Jesus Christ that loves him. This is why Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 that unless your, your righteousness is like, or your understanding of God is like these little kids, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven because they have an understanding and a love for God that is more mature than sometimes some of us adults. So this is why the Apostle Paul says, therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Now, I want you to continue on with this idea of let us and as many are as mature, because in verse 16, it jumps over here. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Notice here, it keeps on saying let us. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. I'm going to ask another question. Why are you doing Christianity alone? Something has happened to us to where we have become spiritual champions in our closets, and we come out and we say, look at how great we are, look at how strong we are, but there's supposed to be something even greater, and that something greater is supposed to be us living this and walking together. Let's go on to, to verse 17. Brethren, join in my following my example, my type, my tupos, and note those who so walk as you have even us for a pattern. And I ask you this, who is your pattern? Who are you modeling yourself after? Because if you're modeling yourself after the world, then you will be becoming what the world is. But if you surround yourself with those who are driven with an intrinsic value of a call in Jesus Christ, you will find yourself driven. So therefore, change your pattern, change your life. I'm going to say it again. Change your pattern, change your life. Change those who you're surrounding yourself with that are driven in Jesus Christ, and you yourself will become driven. I'm going to go through this quickly, verse 18 through 21. For as many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. In other words, who seek happiness, but it is fleeting. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, for which, uh, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I'm going to simplify all of this. If you have no drive, let's say that again. If you have no drive, surround yourself with those who do towards the ultimate call and goal in Christ Jesus. Towards the ultimate call and goal in Christ Jesus. Just really quick, let me explain to you this, what, what this looks like. A uh, really good friend of mine, my prayer partner, we called each other last Monday, and he says, I have a, a praise he says, my cousin of, uh, he's like, my cousin, well, it's been his cousin forever. He says, but for the last 20 something years, he's left the church. He said, but my mom, his mom and his wife never gave up praying for him to come back to the Lord. And he says, and just last week, he sent me a text message saying, I've decided to deepen my relationship with Jesus Christ and rejoin the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I, and I asked him, I said, what happened? What changed? He says, well, he start, started, stopped hanging out so much with his friends at work, and he started hanging out with some people from church once again. And lo and behold, 
their values became his values. I'm telling you right this right now, if you want to change around your life, if you want to change your drive, find those who are driven in the upper call of Jesus Christ. And as you surround them, you have a pattern, you have a type to follow after, and your life will be changed as you follow and do what God has called you to do with them. Amen? So my friends today, if you are not driven, if you're not motivated, connect yourself with Christ, but also connect yourself with others who are driven in Jesus Christ. Our Lord and our Savior, as we're praying, drive us, Lord, towards you, but Lord, also with and towards one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.